Welcome back to the Untitled Sports Podcast. My name is Ian Cartwright, and I'm joined today by Sam. Sam, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, uh, how's it going? Uh, this is uh, Sam Hankinson. Uh, we're going to be recapping week three action for college football, then moving forward to preview uh, week four. We're also going to be talking about our USP pick six. This is a, a weekly segment where we pick our top six college football quarterbacks uh, throughout the season and to see where they kind of line up when draft season comes along. So to start off, uh, we're going to we're going to jump into the Alabama, Florida game. Um, Alabama was favored by 14 and a half points this game, uh, came out and was up early on Florida. Looked like it was probably going to be a blowout. And Florida kept the game close, came back and ended up losing by only two points. Uh, Florida had a chance at the end as well. And I think this was, was kind of a great outing to Dan Mullen. So uh, what, what are kind of your thoughts on this game so far? I think the last two games that Florida's played against Alabama is really the best shot that we've seen. Uh, any team take at them since uh, the Burrow LSU team. Uh, I was kind of surprised that they did come back because, you know, it's one thing to beat Alabama. It's another thing to beat them or be in a position to beat them having come back from a pretty large deficit. And uh, I think I was watching the end of another game. Uh, I, so so I've been watching everything on my phone and uh, I haven't quite figured out how to stream. And around uh, the third quarter of this game, I realized that I actually had the CBS app. So I started watching. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't think I could watch this game, uh, but you can watch anything now. So I was actually able to uh, tune in once the game got, got close. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, it's just, it's, it's good. It's good for Florida to be close. Um, it's, you got, you got to win one of these games eventually. It's been two in a row where they've kind of been right there. The SEC championship game, uh, I don't think was as close as the score indicated, but they were, it was one, I think it was yeah. either one or two possession game. It was um, competitive. The, the two point play, people are going to talk about how, if it was Anthony Richardson in there instead of Emory Jones, maybe there's a different result, but uh, I thought that was a pretty bad two point play. Um, and obviously if they would have made an extra point, they would be going overtime anyway. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the only uh, team that struggled within, with inside of the five yards. Uh, I'm going to get to the Virginia tech game later and talk about their struggles within the, within the five yard line, but uh, Florida did look much better. And, you know, like I said before, Bama was favored by 14 points. This wasn't like, uh, you know, Florida was supposed to compete. Whereas in the SEC championship with Kyle Trask and having Kyle Pitts and uh, Kadarius Tony, they were expected to compete more. And I thought this game was more competitive than the, than the SEC championship game. Now, obviously, Bama has kind of reloaded uh, a lot of their players headed to the draft, uh, new quarterback at the helms. And it was in Florida, too, away game for Bama. Um, but a lot of people were picking Bama to blow them out. And um, we just saw Bama absolutely tear apart Miami a couple weeks ago in the opener. And so I was kind of expecting to see something similar here. I wasn't sold on Emory Jones. Um, I didn't think that the Florida offense was going to be really able to do anything. And I also didn't really think that they were going to be able to hold Bama either. And as soon as I saw Bama jump up 
Uh, I think it was a 14 to three point lead very early on. Um, I didn't think that Florida was going to be able to cut it close. The thing that is intriguing to me about this game is usually when Bama gets up on a team, they keep it that way. And especially rivals like this in, in, in SEC land, when Bama's up, it's hard to come back. You rarely see teams come back and have a shot. And I thought this was interesting to see that another SEC team like Florida could weather the storm and come back and make it interesting after being down. I thought that was cool. And I hope uh, in the future, Florida can remain competitive. And if they improve their offense, um, they're going to be able to have a shot at Bama in the, in the coming years. So. Yeah, I heard uh, somebody called this this game a, uh, a non-win for Florida, which I think is an absolutely hilarious term to use. Uh, you know, if Florida's, Florida's preparing for Tennessee this week and if they go into it with the approach that they have a non-win against Alabama, you know, maybe that helps them. Maybe that adds uh, – helps them gain confidence. But, uh, you know, that I don't think people should be overreacting to this result um, Alabama did win the game. We've seen playoff teams have one game where they either get upset or come re- really close, and then they just destroy everybody for the rest of the year. So I'm not quite ready to declare the SEC as being a wide-open conference. Uh, kind of the same thing with Ohio State in the Big Ten. Like, there's a lot of numbers next to teams in the SEC in the Big Ten right now. And I think people need to understand that that doesn't mean the conference is wide open. It means the conference is competitive. Yes. And Alabama is Alabama. Ohio State is Ohio State. And I'm not ready to declare those teams out of power until somebody knocks them off. And Alabama, they – they were scared by Florida, but Florida didn't knock them out. And mm-hmm. so Al- Alabama will continue to be the class of the conference until somebody can beat them. But then also, if you can even get through an SEC schedule and make it to Atlanta, I mean, we could very well be looking at a Texas A&M Ole Miss team that knocks off Alabama and has the inside track for, for the SEC title game, and then they lose again, and then Alabama is in the title game. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about a competitive SEC is you might get Alabama on a bad day, but are you still going to be able to navigate the rest of your season? Right. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like, it's almost like the conference sometimes shoots themselves in the foot because it's like, okay, we might have some teams that are able to compete with Bama and take down Bama. But even if they do, they're not, they're not putting it all together. And, and really the only SEC team in recent memory that's been able to put it all together in such a way was LSU with the, with the Burrow team yeah. in 2019. Um, yep. I'm not sure that there is an SEC team that can put it to all together right now. The only one that I'm looking at is possibly Georgia. Um, and that matchup is going to be interesting moving forward. I think Georgia has been playing well. We're going to get to their game later, but um, it's interesting to see. I hope the SEC keeps being competitive and, uh, I am also very intrigued for the uh, the Ole Miss Bama game coming up soon. So let's move let's move forward. Uh, our next game on this list is Penn State Auburn. This is the annual whiteout game for Penn State. Uh, Penn State won twenty eight to twenty. Um, what are sort of your thoughts from this game? 
I, I really, I just, it was so awesome to tune into this game and just immerse myself in a good football game in a amazing atmosphere for three hours. Um, I went into the game kind of thinking that, you know, Auburn's chances kind of rode on the shoulders of Bo Nix and he played, he played well. He didn't, he didn't uh, jeopardize their position in the game. Uh, Tank Bigsby had a great game, but uh, you know, Penn's Penn state has kind of got some dudes right now. And yeah. uh, I think that's really exciting. And I think they're, angry and frustrated after last season and you're going to hear that as Penn State being the anomaly of of the COVID year especially if they keep if they keep winning um this it was just a really cool game and you know Auburn fans they they trickled their way into into the whiteout and uh I honest I honestly think you know so all the Auburn fans I saw in the stands, they're wearing orange. If I was an opposing fan going to a whiteout game, I would wear white out of respect. I would find a white Michigan shirt or a white Ohio state or a white Auburn shirt. I would wear, I would make sure I wore a white shirt to a whiteout, even if it wasn't my team, because that is that deserves respect, whether you're the home team or the away team. And it was just really cool. And I, you know, mm-hmm. Auburn fans, SEC going up, going up to Pennsylvania, they're going to wear their colors. But I think that's a situation where you kind of have to lean into the tradition. And if you're going up there for the atmosphere, then you gotta, you gotta yeah. roll with it. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, Tank Bigsby was visibly frustrated that uh, Auburn didn't run the ball at the end of the game. And uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of odd that they didn't run the ball because historically Auburn is a very run heavy team. And uh, I feel like in most situations, especially having a back like tank Bigsby uh, that they would run the ball. Um, I think that there's some growing pains with Auburn right now. I think they are going to trend in the right direction in the coming years, but I don't think they're quite ready for it right now, but Penn state is looking very good. This is uh, their second major win of the year. First one coming from Wisconsin and uh, these are these are two two marquee games that they've won so far. Um, are you ready to say that Penn State is playing the best football in the Big Ten as of right now? I think they have the best wins in the Big Ten for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would kind of like to see more points, honestly. You know, uh, if if that is a request, like I, I think. You know, Penn State's kind of won with with defense in the case of Wisconsin, and the defense held them again. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're going up against like an Ohio State, you're going to have to score 30, 40 points, and that that atmosphere should gift you some points. You know, we saw that game uh, where Michigan came into Happy Valley, and I think Penn State went up like fourteen nothing, twenty one nothing. So it's like that atmosphere will spot you a lead. And they've got to, they've got, they've got to get that lead and control it, but then continue to score points. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I I don't, we, I I think we both think that Auburn's kind of a middle of the pack sec team. We are kind of glossing over the fact that they're under a first year head coach. Um, But it's a good win right now, but I think in order to remain competitive in the in the Big Ten, Penn State's gonna have to score more. Gonna need to see more from Sean Clifford, who had a great game. I'm not discounting his his performance, but 
as we go on, we're going to have to see more, more uh, fireworks. Yep. Uh, Clemson 14, Georgia Tech 8. This was uh, not the performance that Clemson fans wanted to see. I don't think many people were expecting to see Clemson's offense struggle as much as we've seen them struggle so far in the year. Uh, Penn State was 28 and a half point favorites in this game, only winning by six points uh, to a Georgia Tech team that to many is one of the worst teams in the ACC. Um, do you think Clemson is in a position where they might not make the playoffs? Yes, because they are they are like 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 we said about Alabama and Ohio State, those teams are still the class of their conferences. Until somebody beats them, they are the class of the conference. We expect them to be in the title game. We expect them to be competing for a playoff spot until somebody in the in their in their conference knocks them out. Because you know Clemson does have a loss, but they're still undefeated in ACC play. You know Ohio mm-hmm. State still has a loss, but they're undefeated in Big Ten play. Um, but I, I think it's a bad start for Clemson because usually we see that kind of strange Clemson game at a different point in the season. So it, it is concerning to see at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, we didn't, me- didn't mention that there was a lightning delay in this game. I think uh, like a three hour delay. So this game really took a long time, uh, but it also took Clemson a long time to score. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not promising, especially with what we saw out of DJ Uyunglele in a competitive atmosphere last year in Notre Dame, where he was in that game and competing with another top team. There might be a little bit of a Dr. Pepper commercial. Uh, there might be a Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper curse commercial uh, with DJU appearing in this uh in this, in these Fansville ads with Dr. Pepper. So I think that could be some, an interesting storyline to monitor. Yeah. But, uh, headline that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. It, the, the thing about Clemson is I, th- we see a lot of competitors in the, the big 10 and the sec outside of North Carolina. I don't think we really know who those other competitors are. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. And I think, you know, in, in Bama's case, escaping Florida, Florida is a top tier program without a doubt in the SEC. Uh, it's not even a thing to make Georgia Tech a middle of the pack program of the ACC. Um, and I think that's where it becomes very concerning. Usually when you see Clemson win a game like this or even sometimes lose a game like this, um, they score a lot more points than 14 and yep. usually, and, and you, and it's usually it's like a back and forth thing. It's usually their defense. That's the problem to see it be their offense is kind of concerning. And I think we've kind of been getting lulled to sleep over the past couple of years, because I think a lot of people are forgetting that Clemson's the past two past two quarterbacks that they had. Trevor Lawrence was arguably one of the best high school prospects to ever come out. Um, obviously a first round pick extreme talent and before him was Deshaun Watson who was another first round pick great player in the NFL obviously has the off the field issues but those quarterbacks carried Clemson in recent years and I think we've kind of forgotten that a lot of that might have had to do with the fact that both of those players were just studs and that replacing them isn't necessarily as easy as we thought it was um 
I think this is bad for the ACC in general because the ACC outside of Clemson is struggling anywhere you look at it. Uh, after week one, UNC lost to Virginia Tech and people were writing off UNC as like UNC can't win the ACC. UNC is not going to be able to go to the playoff, do anything. And while that's true, after seeing a performance that Clemson just had and after seeing Miami lose to Michigan State, all of a sudden you're looking at UNC and saying, hey, you know what? UNC might win the Coastal and they could very well beat Clemson even after having a down year. And so the ACC is in this weird position where there really is not a front runner, even though it is Clemson, you can see another team knocking them off. And that puts the rest of the conference in a hole, because if somebody knocks Clemson off, they're likely not going to make the playoffs. Uh, This is all going on during conference realignment when the SEC is more powerful than ever. Uh, And I just think that the ACC is having a very bad year and it could affect them moving forward in in a lot of different ways. But um, that's all I got on this game. Yeah. And uh, Georgia Tech is a team that Clemson's hung 70 on recently within the last two years. And so the fact that the fact that it was that close with that uh, amount of points scored is is a huge drop off in in that in that head to head. Um, And then the other thing about, you know, just the state of the ACC, we've already talked about how Clemson doesn't have a lot of room for error because of their light schedule. If Mm -hmm. they lose and say a UNC runs the table and finishes with one loss or another team finishes undefeated or one loss, their resume is going to look even worse because Clemson's not good and Clemson was supposed to be the class. Yeah, uh, I don't think an ACC team can make the playoffs unless Clemson turns it on and dominates for the rest of the year. I think the only that's the I think that's the only way that an ACC team can make the playoff because, like you say, if a UNC does make it with one or two losses and beats Clemson in the ACC championship, whatever, I don't think UNC's resume is going to be good enough with a bad Clemson to make them be a playoff team. Yeah, but um, we can go ahead and move forward. Our next game on this list is uh, the Mississippi Tulsa. Uh, yeah, Tulsa game. No, Tulane, Tulane, Tulane. T-U-L, looking at it like it's Tulsa. Um, Mississippi, 61. Tulane, 21. Uh, most people thought this game would be closer, especially because of Tulane's performance against Oklahoma. Uh, Matt Corral played extremely well. All of a sudden, he's now the Heisman frontrunner, which is interesting after three weeks. Um, and Ole Miss looks good. Their offense is, is trending in the right direction. Lane Kiffin looks like the offensive guru that we thought he was. Um, what do you think this says about Ole Miss? Do you think it, it? Do you think Ole Miss is for real moving forward? I I'm impressed with uh, what I saw from the defense. You know, we Tulane has done well the first two weeks. Obviously, like you said, work they were uh, they came back against Oklahoma and made it a game there. Um, so you know, good to see uh, Ole Miss's defense stepping up and not ever uh having this game in doubt but can they can they keep it up uh can this offense keep producing at this level uh and once we get into sec play are are they are they are they going to be able to remain competitive on both sides of the ball i'm confident because you know we already we own this was right there with alabama last year mm-hmm. with that offense and so you know if the defense has incremental improvement that that right there could be could be the uh, the key to 
more success. So, yeah. Um, I didn't think, and, and, and to go back sort of to in a comparison sort of way to the, to the Florida Bama game, I don't think Florida's offense was anything special really. Um, and if Ole Miss's offense can keep it up, keep playing the way that they're playing right now, I think they're going to get Bama's defense a lot of trouble. Um, and I think the way that Ole Miss can beat Bama and can contend in the SEC is to keep the offense up. And if the defense is at least average, I think they can do a good job and maybe pull off some upsets and even maybe hop into the top 10 and start to stir up some drama. So um, it's going to be interesting moving forward. But um, I think looking down the line, the biggest game, obviously, for Ole Miss is going to be the Bama game. And I'm super excited for that. I think the battle of Matt Corral versus Bryce Young is going to be awesome. The, that, that game is in Tuscaloosa, right? Um, I, think I believe so. I think it is, if because I think the game last year was in uh, Oxford. Yeah, it's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, one, one more thing about Matt Corral. We'll talk about him later on. Um, it's kind of concerning to me that he's the Heisman favorite. Um, you know, we've seen September Heismans come and go. We both think he's very good. I think down the road, if Ole Miss has a couple losses, I think the September Heisman label is going to hurt him. I completely agree. It's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on him and the program, and I think it's it's not exactly the label that you want to have. I think the only time you want to be labeled the Heisman favorite in September is when you're the preseason Heisman favorite and you carry it over, and you're still the Heisman yep. favorite in September. But to come out of nowhere, um, it's kind of it's it's kind of weird. But I also think part of that is I don't think the national media knows what to do right now. Because a lot of the narratives that they were pushing before the season and a lot of the, you know, the Heisman favorites and the talk about Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, and these are our guys. We think these are the best guys. Like whatever the media was saying is kind of not really working out in their favor. And they're kind of having to just pivot out of nowhere. And I think that's why that there's so much jump between candidates, like, you know, obviously now Matt Corral. So um, I think it's a combination of a lot, but I really hope for Matt Corral's sake that he keeps it up because um, he's super fun to watch. Yep. Uh, moving forward now, uh, Fresno, Fresno State and UCLA. Uh, Fresno won this game 40 to 37. Fresno almost beat Oregon in week one. Um, uh, Fresno is a very good G5 team, very good program. Uh, UCLA is on the upswing, but this was kind of a game that they couldn't lose for a lot of different reasons. And um, now UCLA is kind of in a bad position, whereas before you were looking at UCLA like one of the premier, one of the up and coming, not premier, but up and coming teams in the Pac-12. So what is this what is this going to do for UCLA moving forward? Uh, Well, first of all, I think it matters on uh, when people realize that this game happened and UCLA lost it, Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously. That's, this is the was the late kick, and it was on Pac-12 Network, so very hard to watch. Uh, I watched highlights. I'm not sure if you watched highlights. Uh, really impressed by Fresno. I think if they were to somehow be undefeated right now, they would absolutely be the favorite. Uh, I, I guess you'd have to compare them to Cincinnati, but they'd have a very good resume to uh, to be in competition for that group of five uh, New Year's six spot or even playoff. I mean, right. they would, they, it, you, you think about it. If, or if Oregon is good, which we think they are and UCLA, you know, they have this loss, but they're competitive in the PAC 12 Fresno could have a pretty good 
resume that a you very good resume very good two very good wins and i don't think we've ever seen a g5 conference beat up on a conference like we've seen the mountain west kind of beat up on the pac-12 but yep the mountain west mountain west is very good i think the, in my opinion i think the mountain west is the best group of five conference um mm-hmm. but going back to ucla you're right they couldn't afford to slip up like this and it, you, you know, we're right kind of back to where we were at the beginning of the season talking about how bad the Pac-12 is. Yeah. You know, it, it's only been two weeks and they, that's how long they carried the flag for. So now it's back to Oregon and we're going to have to see a couple more good weeks out of UCLA before we start talking about them again in a positive yeah. light. But it, it, that win just hurts them so much moving forward. Uh, and, and like, I, mean, I just can't, keep saying it enough like it just hurts the pac-12 like that loss is 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 so bad for the pac-12 because ucla was is it was the team that they wanted to be good and they needed to be good for a lot of different reasons and to lose a g5 game even if it's to a fresno uh is is not at all what you want to see um i think though to looking at it in a positive way, I think Fresno is awesome, and I and I and I hope they keep doing well. Uh, if things went a little bit differently in an alternate universe, uh, they could have easily beaten Oregon, and they could be sitting in the top twenty-five right now, looking very nice. So that's cool. But moving forward, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, this was also a noon kickoff on Saturday. West Virginia beat Virginia Tech twenty-seven to twenty-one. Uh, West Virginia hopped on an early lead. This game was up, I think, 24 to seven at one point and just let Virginia Tech back into the game. They even gifted them an interception late in the game uh, for a score that would have taken the lead. Uh, Virginia Tech went 0 for 12 chances inside of West Virginia's 10 yard line to score a touchdown. Uh, They failed going into halftime and they failed at the end of the day to score. Um, I think this is a bad loss for Virginia tech. It's not going to help them at all moving forward. It, but it's also interesting because it doesn't really do anything for their coastal race um, because the coastal is all over the place. doesn't really do anything there. Obviously this is a non-conference game, um, but Virginia tech's play calling was terrible. They also, I thought it was interesting. Virginia tech lost by six. And if they would have kicked the field goal going into halftime, as opposed to going for a touchdown, then they would have been down three rather than six at the end of the game, and they could have kicked a field goal to tie it to go to overtime. So bad game management all around. I'd like to see more from Virginia Tech going forward. I think their offense stinks. Um, what, what are your sort of thoughts on this game? Well, you said it doesn't really hurt them in the coastal race, but I think it does a hell of a lot for regional recruiting. Oh, yeah, um, big time. So, uh, you know, West Virginia's – VTech has a, has, a, has a jump on – uh, where West Virginia is in terms of where the coach is building the program. And you, you don't, you don't want to give lower pro what we assume to be lower programs in terms of where they're at in the pecking order. You don't want to gift them a, a win like this in a big rivalry game. Yeah. Like, like last year, Michigan, Michigan state, like Michigan is the more established program. Michigan state comes in with a first year head coach. And not only does he win, but like that does so much for recruiting and just your building in general, because now you've got yep. that, that program cornerstone where you can show recruits proof of concept. Um, hey, here's the trophy. 
yep. think that's another West, big West, one. West Virginia is trending in the right direction. They've got a very interesting test uh, this upcoming week, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, good, good win. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I thought Morgantown was uh, going crazy. Uh, the yellow out was kind of cool. Um, that was cool to see as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm completely there with you. I think it does affect recruiting. And, and this is what has hurt Virginia Tech in recent years is uh, when they get ranked, when they trend upwards, they lose. And when they do that, they hurt a lot of their momentum in recruiting and other places. And uh, that has hurt their recruiting rankings. If you look at the talent level on their team right now, it has gone down significantly since Fuente has gotten there. Um, you talk about Fuente's first season in 2017 or no 2016 uh they won 10 games they haven't hit that 10 game mark since um a lot of that was due to the fact that there was more talent on the team at the time and their quarterback situation was much better but uh, i think virginia tech moving forward needs to regroup in some sort of way and at least compete in the coastal compete for the coastal and the acc uh if fuente is going to keep his job but um Moving forward to the rest of the games on this uh, on this slate for this past weekend, uh, I just want to highlight real quick Oklahoma and Nebraska. Um, this was kind of an odd game because Nebraska wasn't really in it, but if you look at the box score, uh, they only lost by seven. So, uh, what did you what did you take away from this game? I just uh, I, I credit to Nebraska, you know, for getting up for this game. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout. Um, however. I don't know if the fact that this wasn't a blowout says more about Nebraska getting up for the game or maybe Oklahoma not being as good as we thought. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma doesn't seem very inspired to play football right now. They have, yeah. they, they seemingly have all the talent in the world, all, all the, the, all the rights to be a top four team, the quarterback, uh, the receiving room and supposedly the defense, and they just they don't look like a top four team. I don't know if they plan on turning that around and then for the rest of the season. I'm sure that's the plan, but as of right now, they haven't been looking that way. Um, I'm excited. I'm interested to see how Oklahoma rebounds because, in theory, if they don't lose any games, they would have, I guess, their bid for the playoff. But all of these sort of meh wins and shitty law and, and shitty wins, frankly, uh, I think it's going to hurt them down the line. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're kind of going towards a season where we're going to just tell everybody that Nebraska is better than their record indicates. Yeah. Um, and I, you're going to have to tell, tell that to the folks in Lincoln that might be calling for Scott Frost job right now. Um, they were competitive. I really think that's all you can ask, relatively speaking, for what we thought the outcome was going to be. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that was, I think, I believe a 22 and a half uh, spread for uh, Oklahoma to cover that game. Uh, moving forward, Cincy beats Indiana 38 to 24. Uh, this is a game that Cincy kind of had to battle back to win. Um, obviously, Indiana is a Big Ten team. This was Cincy going on the road. Uh, I think this was a great win for Cincinnati to come back in a hostile environment uh, and to get a win like this, um, I think shows their maturity level as a team, especially a G5 team. And I, I think, you know, you hit it on the head when you talked about Fresno and the comparison to Cincy in that regard. Uh, I think that's very true. And I think 
the real test for Cincy is going to be uh, their Notre Dame matchup in week five. But uh, I was excited to see Cincy get this win. Um, and I hope they continue moving forward. Yeah. And uh, yeah, going back to Fresno, I mean, we don't know how good this Indiana win is going to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have an idea of how the UCLA wins uh, going to look for Fresno. Obviously we know that the Oregon game is hopefully going to c- carry uh carry weight but if really if it's these two teams what team are you taking resume alone obviously Cincinnati's been there longer but Fresno might have better wins it could be an interesting debate yeah I think Cincinnati though is the better team though even oh oh absolutely I I yeah from like the the teams they've played in the results uh yeah I, I I'm with you on that one um it's gonna be interesting to see moving forward um, another win, I, I want, another game I want to highlight is uh, Mrs. Oh my gosh, I did it again. I see the MSU and I think Mississippi State, uh, Mich- Michigan State going down to Miami and beating Miami uh, pretty handedly too, 38 to 17. Um, I kind of thought this was coming. I thought Michigan State might actually be pretty good. And um, sure enough, uh, they're at least better than Miami. And I'm not sure how much that says about Miami or Michigan State right now, um, but I, I still believe it's a good win. Um, Manny Diaz might be on his way out after the season and after what we've seen from Miami, I don't really think they're going to be able to pull that great of a hire after letting him go. So, uh, I think this is a terrible loss for Miami as well. Uh, Miami had very high hopes going into the year, um, blundered against Bama and now blundered against Michigan state. So, um, what do, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, if we're really talking about Manny Diaz's job and him on the hot seat, um, we've already got a national search at USC that's taking up a lot of air in the in the college football universe. Obviously, we expressed our frustrations about that the, that aspect of the search last week. Mm-hmm. If USC is open and Miami comes open, and Miami decides to make a change midseason, oh my goodness, like. You've got two of you've got the definition outside of maybe Texas of the programs that should be this and aren't for whatever reason aren't and the who's going to try and bring them back and instead of having that around bowl season you've got it before most teams get into the meat of their conference schedule and it's it's crazy how quickly people are quick to make a change now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just interesting how things can go left so quickly in college football after, after sitting and talking about college football in the off season for six months and thinking that Miami is a good team and Miami can play well. And then three weeks into the season, you're like, Oh, I think Manny Diaz is on his way out and they're going to fire him. I think it's just crazy how things move so quickly in college football. Um, I mean, I understand it's warranted. Um, I think Miami should be much better than they are, especially because of their quarterback situation. Everybody's led to believe that Derek King is a good player, and I'm on the same board as well. Um, I think they should be much better than they are, and they just aren't. So um, maybe kicking Manny Diaz to the curb is the right option. Um, I don't really know what to do if I'm in Miami's situation, but I don't. I hope that they don't do it midseason because I think that's going to make everything worse for everybody. Yep. Uh, moving forward, let's talk about Kansas State real quick. Uh, Kansas State just got into the top 25, uh, beat Nevada last week, 30, 38 to 17. 
Uh, Nevada, a very good team as well, led by Carson Strong, who was on our USP pick six last week. Um, what are your takeaways from this game? Do you think so Kansas State did, is kind of back? Uh, I, I, I think they've got a quarterback situation to figure out. Uh, their starter went down last week, and uh, I think they've had a couple guys uh, in and out during games trying to figure out. Uh, I think I think it's it's uh, I think it's Will Howard there who started most of the game. Uh, this is what you do if you're if you're a top twenty five team though. You know we think Nevada is a good team. Obviously they're talented, and it was close. Uh, Kansas State got up and Nevada came back and tied it, and then Kansas State uh, put the game out of reach. Uh, you know Carson Strong had his his pro pro throws, his NFL throws in this game, so he got those in, but. Kansas State did what a good team should do, and they they kept the game out of reach when it mattered. Yeah, uh, I think Kansas State uh, has a chance to rival some of the top tier teams. In uh, there's not a whole lot of them in the Big Twelve, and I think uh, Kansas State is now a threat. Uh, I think it's cool to see as well. So uh, props to Kansas State. Hope they do well moving forward. Um, I want to highlight real quick the Memphis Mississippi state game because of the ridiculousness that happened at the end of that game. Sam, do you want to explain uh, what happened at the end of that game or not even at the end, but it was, I I can't, it's like four minutes left. I I can't, I can't even explain it well enough. Uh, I just, I just know that there was a very bad call and the, the punt return that Memphis had that, uh, that ultimately sealed the win should not have counted. And it was recognized very shortly after the play happened that it should not have counted. Yeah. Uh, I think it was hilarious because the refs at the game were sec refs because this was an away game for Mississippi state home game for Memphis. So the, the away team brings the refs. It were eight, there were sec refs. Uh, basically Mississippi state punched the ball, downs it at about the 10 yard line. Uh, it's very, very obvious that it was down about three players touched the ball down and a Memphis player just runs up, grabs the ball, and takes it all the way 90 yards to the house, and it just counts. Nobody says anything, and after the game, the SEC comes out and says that they botched the, the ruling and that it was a missed call. Um, as a viewer, you can very clearly see that the ball is touched, and there's a ref standing right there watching it. I think it's also funny that there were two players – on Memphis's return team that were both wearing number four. So really the play should have never counted because that was illegal. You can't do that. Yeah. From, from um, multiple aspects. Exactly. So just a super odd thing. Um, I feel like I'd feel terrible if I was a Mississippi state fan. I don't even know what I'd do with myself after that type of loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's all we really have to say about that game, but moving forward, yeah to uh, the UNC Virginia game. I want to highlight this because I feel like these are the two best teams in the coastal right now. Um, Just recently talked about Virginia tech. I think Virginia tech is frauds. I think they jumped out into the top 25 because of a win against UNC in week one, but I think that was mostly due to enter Sandman and the 70,000 fans and just a week one atmosphere. That's tough to play in. Um, but I think Virginia is the better Virginia team right now. And UNC is, is, I think, the best team in the Coastal. So this game was actually super entertaining. Uh, UNC won 59 to 39. 
Um, they did cover the spread, but it was a very competitive game all around. It wasn't really till the fourth quarter that UNC started to pull away. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on, on UNC moving forward? Yeah, I think it's going to be really disappointing for Virginia Tech if they end up having one of the best wins in the country and can't do anything with it. Yeah, hopefully it's enough I, to get Justin I, Fuente out of there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think uh, that UNC team is the same UNC team that we saw against Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think uh, UNC is kind of rounding into form uh, as it relates to what kind of team they're going to be this year, especially as we compare them to Clemson. Uh, Clemson put up 14 points against what we believe to be a lower tier ACC team, and UNC put up 59 against the second best team that we think is in that, in that, in that conference, in that division. Uh, it, it's, I just, I just, I just wonder if, if we get down to it and UNC has one loss, if they're, if how serious that playoff debate is, I really, I really do. Cause I kind of yeah. think that's where we're, I kind of think that's where we're heading. Um, I think I, it's going to hinge they, on the fact that if Virginia tech falls apart, then yeah. that loss is going to look much worse. Yeah. And for Virginia Tech, you got to do something with that win. Yeah, it goes both ways. I think both parties want to win for different reasons, but really the same at the end of the day, they need it to look good. Yeah, you got to make your win look good and your loss look good. And that's just the playoff. That's the playoff lingo that we love. Yep, I, I completely agree. Um. I think one game that I want to highlight too before we before we get to the USP pick six is uh, Presbyterian played Campbell and Presbyterian's head coach is the uh, or was the infamous high school coach that never punched the football uh, was recently hired by Presbyterian which is an FCS school is that right Yep Yeah uh, and I think they Presbyterian won their first two games against some pretty terrible FCS teams. Uh, and then they played Campbell, who is a somewhat recognizable FCS team and got blown out 72 to zero, um, which I think is funny. Do you have any comments on this game? Yeah, I brought this game up obviously because the, uh, the coach that the coach that never punts Kevin Kelly, uh, completely got waxed. Um, but then also I wanted to bring up the fact that Northern Iowa, um, beat St. Thomas, Minnesota, 44-3. to uh, St. Thomas is the Division III uh, school that basically got kicked out of its own uh, league in Minnesota because they were beating up on everybody. And St. Thomas uh, went directly from D3 to D1 in the FCS Pioneer League. Presbyterian is also in the Pioneer League, and these teams are going to play each other on November 20th, the storylines, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I don't know if it's going to be close, but I think the, I think the boomer bust uh, methods that Presbyterian has is really going to uh, make this, make this game competitive. And obviously for yeah. St. Thomas, it's their first test of, you know, we've never seen a team make this kind of jump to FCS and I, I just I wanted to see that this was their this was their first game against uh, FCS opponent as an FCS team in Division One, uh, and that was the result. They played Michigan Tech last week and they won twelve to nine. But I'm kind of going to be watching St. Thomas this year just to see how they do, and yeah. uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a cool 
helmet game on the 20th, considering these teams are in the same league. So now we're back to the USP pick six. This is our, our weekly uh, thing that we do where we both draft quarterbacks in terms of how well they're playing. We rate them on uh, who we think is the best quarterback in the, in, in the NCAA right now. Um, last week, uh, Sam, you started it off. You took Spencer Rattler. Now it's my turn to start it off. <clears throat> Basically what our, what our goal is for this segment is we're going to take all of our picks. Um, and at the end of the year, we're going to compile them into one number. So, um, for example, if I have, uh, if I have Matt Corral and his average rating for us is like a, like a 2.8, 2.9, we're going to say that he's the third best quarterback in the class. And then we're going to see how that compares when draft season comes around in April and to see if we were close, if we weren't, whatever it is. Um, so this is kind of the weekly thing we're going to keep doing, but I'm up first this week. You went Rattler last week. Uh, loved what I saw with Corral. I'm a huge, been, been talking about Corral every single week. I feel like on this podcast. Um, so I'm going with Matt Corral with the first pick, uh, Sam, you got the next two. So why don't you go ahead and pick? So, do we, do we kind of want to talk about just the, the landscape of, of quarterbacks in college football in the NFL once we, once we get these picks in line? Yeah. Okay, all right. So I'm going to take Sam Howell at two, and then I'm, going to, I'm still going to roll with Spencer Rattler at three. Okay, so Spencer Rattler dropping two points um, this week. Uh, Sam Howell did have a very good showing against U- University of Virginia, uh, and Virginia's defense is pretty solid as well. So it was good to see Sam Howell kind of get back into form and uh, put up almost 60 points uh, on a pretty good defense. But uh, I like those two picks. I would probably have gone with the same thing. I don't know if I would have switched it and done Rattler at two, Howell at three, but I'm on board. So I'm at four now, and hmm. This is a tough one for me. I'm going to go Carson Strong at four. Uh, I think even though Carson Strong lost to the Kansas State team, uh, I think Kansas State is pretty good this year, and I think their defense is pretty solid as well. Uh, I don't think Carson Strong is surrounded by a ton of talent as, as well, so um, I think that's kind of why they they didn't have enough gas to keep up. But Carson Strong is my pick at four. I'm going to take I'm going to take Desmond Ritter at five. Great pick. Uh, and then six, I'm going to go with Sam Hartman. I, I like that. We didn't, we, get, we didn't get to talk about Wake Forest, but I think Sam Hartman could be an interesting uh, discussion as, as, we, as we go on. Yeah, well, uh, for anybody listening that doesn't know who Sam Hartman is, he's, he's the quarterback for uh, Wake Forest, and Wake Forest kind of took a dump on Florida State this past weekend. Um, we didn't really talk about Florida State at all in the review, but Florida state okay. is, is terrible and Florida state might only win three games this year. Uh, so also another team that has a huge profile that might fire their coach, which I think is funny. So we're going to end yeah. the Florida state talk on that note. Yeah. So what's kind of the, what? so I, I, I want to talk about these quarterbacks, especially as it relates to, you know, the NFL draft and what teams we think could be picking up, picking at the top of the draft order uh, yeah. come next year. Um, I am not like, I'm not sold on Spencer Rattler being the guy, but I'm not, I, either. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sold on any of these guys being the clear cut number one overall pick. You know, I think 
I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau uh, or even Kyle Hamilton could be in discussion for number at number one right now. Um, I, I don't think this is a year where there's a quarterback taken at one, unless somebody really lights it up and uh, leads their team to the playoff or the Heisman or both. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I think all these guys have that potential, but I really, I think with the body, the small body of work right now, the only way we're going to get one of these guys at number one is in the off season, the media and teams talk, talk one of these guys up to number one. Yeah. I mean, it's also going to depend on sort of the landscape of quarterbacks in the NFL and who's in need. Um, the one yeah, thing what's, that, what's the, what, what do you think your, what's your list right now of those teams just well, that, we, what, that we think that we think is going to be up there. So it's overreaction season and uh, week two of the NFL. And so, so far what I've seen, apparently the Broncos are never going to need a quarterback because Teddy Bridgewater is good enough. Um, I don't buy that. I think that across the rest of the season, Teddy Bridgewater is going to make his fair share of mistakes. I think uh, the Broncos roster is extremely talented. I think they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think they have an outstanding receiving core. I think Javante Williams at running back is good as well. And I think they're going to realize around week 11 or 12 that they can't compete at an elite level because they don't have an elite quarterback. Um, and I think going into the draft, they're going to be looking for one, but the problem with the Broncos is they might win too many games to be picking high enough for a Rattler or whatever. Um, I think they're going to be looking for one, but it's going to depend on who falls. So, uh, the Broncos are up there for me. I think everybody's going to say the Texans as well, even though that Tyrod Taylor was playing well, now he's hurt. Um, and then I think my dark horse, and a lot of people might not agree with me on this one, but my dark horse for a team that is might be looking for a quarterback is the Dolphins. Um, I thought you were going to say Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Dolphins. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's in a weird situation where I think they might be looking for a quarterback, but I'm not sure it's going to be in the draft. Uh, Pittsburgh is, they operate very weird, and I'm not sure that they're going to rely on a rookie quarterback to carry them in any sort of way. Um, I could see Pittsburgh going after another quarterback in the NFL via trade or something else, but I'm not quite sure that they're ready to jump the gun on a top 10 quarterback. Uh, well, top 10 pick quarterback. Um, but the dolphins are mine. I think that now that two is hurt, um, we don't really know the extent of his injuries, but it looked like it was something with his ribs. And I think everybody knows that if your ribs are injured as a quarterback, it's very difficult to throw the football because you're moving your upper torso all the time. Um, and I also think that Tua hasn't been impressive in the time that he's been in the NFL. Now I love Tua, but I'm not sure if the Dolphins are sold on him. And if they have a bad season and end up in a position to take an elite quarterback, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. So those are kind of my three teams. Why don't you give me some as well? Obviously the Lions are another one as well. I forgot about the Lions. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to talk about the Lions. Just uh, obviously that they're they're the local team over here, but I think people just kind of assumed obviously, you know, getting Jared Goff in the trade. Um, I think they just kind of, I think a lot of people have kind of just figured like, oh, you know, well, lines are going to do whatever. And then they're probably going to take a quarterback next year. There might not be, then this goes, it's early, but like there might not be that clear cut guy that is worth taking if they, yeah. if they are drafting in the top 10, 
Um, when it's like, in my and, opinion, and, it's like if Spencer Rattler doesn't pop off, he's yeah. not going to be, he's not going to be like a, a great, I don't think his, he fits with the culture of the Lions either. So I don't think they're yeah, going to go for him. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be that thing of like, you know, obviously I want Jared Goff to be successful. I don't like that people are get, assuming that the Lions are going to have to take a quarterback high, whether it's next year or in the next few years because of his inability to lead the team. But it it could be this question for a lot of teams like the Lions where can you be competitive with your guy and where you're picking in the draft? Is it worth it to swing on a guy at two or three or just take another offensive or defensive piece? Yeah, I think there's a scenario where the Lions take Kayvon Thibodeau, which would be kind of cool because then you pair him on one end with Penny Swell on the other end. And yeah, and they got that's kind of interesting. Tyrell, they got Tyrell Crosby too. So yeah, that's that's interesting. And I feel like the Lions have never really had that type of elite speed rusher. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is like I think everybody th- figured Houston was going to be like 100 percent number one overall pick. It'd be kind of funny if they played themselves out of it. I have a feeling they are because they have been playing like a very competent team. Yeah. And uh, two other teams I wanted to throw out were uh, the Giants and uh, Washington. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. I think Daniel Jones, I think his time in the league might be a lot shorter than most people think. Yeah, Um, and and Washington, Washington, they have a good team. And it's like Denver where they they might have to trade pretty high up to get a guy that they think is going to change their franchise. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the realization that the franchise is eventually going to have is like, hey, we're being bottlenecked by our quarterback situation. We need a, we need a better quarterback. We need an elite quarterback. We need somebody to help this team rather than hurt this team. Um, and I think that's going to be the, what, what propels a lot of these quarterbacks in this class to get drafted. But I think this class is going to be very deep at the end of the day. Yes, I do too. Well, moving forward to previewing next week, um, week four action kicks us off on Friday night. Uh, we're looking at Wake Forest at Virginia. Wake Forest coming off of the win against Florida State. Uh, Virginia coming off of the loss at UNC. Um, kind of expecting a Virginia win in this game. I think Virginia is a is an up-and-coming team. I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, I'm going to be taking Virginia in this game. What are, what are your sort of thoughts? I think this game is going to do a lot for the settling of the middle to upper class of the ACC. Uh, I like what I've seen from Wake so far. I don't think anybody's nobody's really talking about them. Um, I I like I like Wake in this game. Yep. I watched I watched a little bit of their of their game against Florida State. Um, I like what I'm seeing from them. They're an old team. They're a deep team, and I think they can they can win this game on the road. Yep, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see it as well. I think it's. Uh a good thing for the ACC to have this sort of matchup and it be competitive. Yeah. Good Friday. Good Friday spot too. Yep. Uh, and, and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't talk about it, but there was a good Friday game last week, uh, this past week too, with UCF and Louisville. So it's, it's good to have a good football game in that Friday spot. I agree. Like this is, this is a very washable game. And yes. It's so more- it's, it's nice. It's nice to have it and it's on its own. I agree. Uh, moving forward to the Saturday, uh, college game day is going to be at the Notre Dame Wisconsin game that's in Chicago at Soldier Field, I believe. Is that right? 
Yep. Yep. Um, in Chicago at Soldier Field, a uh, big game for both programs. I'm not sold on Notre Dame. I haven't really, I don't think I've seen enough from Notre Dame. Uh, their, their win against Florida state looked okay. Now it looks terrible. Well, not terrible, but it's, I mean, Florida state isn't really anything. Um, I think Wisconsin's a fairly good team. I think they're going to be um, a hard team for Notre Dame to play against. And I'm, I think I'm going to end up taking Wisconsin in this matchup. Do you think it's cool that college game day is there? Because a lot of people say that college game day shouldn't go to a place that isn't a college like a neutral site? Uh, well, they're going to where the game is, and their name is College Game Day. Uh, what I don't like about College Game Day is when their premier game is a noon game. It's very, it's very mm-hmm. strange to me. Yeah, um, I don't like that either. And I do believe, obviously, this is, the, this is the noon Fox game, so Fox's preview show is going to be there as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I suppose if there's – it's kind of good – that they're both here because if there's any place that could accommodate two pregame shows, it's freaking Chicago. Yeah. They're not, they're not trying to compete for spots on campus. It's an actual city. So yeah, very um, large city. I I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, it's a bummer because uh, this is the second game of this series and they were supposed to play at Lambeau last year. Obviously that would have been the Wisconsin home game. And then I think, Notre, this is supposed to be uh, Notre Dame's de facto home game. Um, mm-hmm. I think Wisconsin's going to travel very well for this game. They always do. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of wish, uh, I, I kind of want to will this into existence. I really hope that uh, whether it's for this game or maybe a different Wisconsin uh, game day game, it'd be really cool if uh, game day had on Charlie Barron's, who's a, uh, he's a UW Madison grad comedian and uh does the Manitowoc minute on YouTube and it would be really funny to have him on game day set talking about the Badgers and seeing go Packers, fuck the bears <laughs> oh, in yeah. Chicago. That would be, super that, funny that, it would be, it would be, they need so, to get that going be, be, because it's Notre Dame. It's going to probably be a Notre Dame picker. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Notre Dame is only about what an hour from Chicago. South Bend's yeah. very, it's very close. Yeah. I think people that aren't, as regionally aware as we are, don't really know just how close Notre Dame is to Chicago. Yeah, um, it, it's a it, this is a strange game to kind of be the pre- premier game of the weekend. It's yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a good game, but it's yeah. just kind of weird to see uh, it be the headliner. I agree. Um, I do think the rest of this slate is very good. We're going to get into it now as well. Um, at Also at noon is LSU at Mississippi State. Obviously, Mississippi State coming off of that terrible loss against uh, – oh, my gosh, I'm blanking right now. I guess Memphis, Memphis. Um, off Memphis. the off the botch punt call and all of that. Um, do, you think, do, you, do you think LSU regains a little bit of footing this game? Yeah, because Mississippi State was the team that got LSU's 2020 season off to a bad start um i think the hope is that lsu has figured it out the last few weeks after the ucla loss um they've taken care of business against uh, mcneese and central michigan that was supposed to be at that game last weekend uh you know just with the state of louisiana right now uh, wasn't able to make it happen uh kind of glad it didn't go just because it didn't look like a fun game to watch because LSU yeah. did what LSU was supposed to do against Central. Um, but I, I, I don't, again, this is another game that's going to kind of determine 
start to determine the pecking order in the, mm-hmm. in these conferences. Uh, I like LSU in this game, but if Mississippi State wins this game, then it's kind of a flip-flop of who we think is the better team in the overall conference. So I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State won. It just means that they're a better team than we thought and that that punch shouldn't have counted. And that LSU is a worse team than we thought. Yes. Uh, moving to the next game, Missouri is at Boston College. As This is also at noon. Um, Boston College is actually a pretty solid program right now. Uh, and they've been kind of trending in the upward in, in upward motion recently. Um, I actually like Boston College a lot in this matchup, especially for it being at Boston College. But what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I do believe Phil Dracovic is out for the year for Boston College, which is a real downer to their yeah. uh, to their uh, hopes of a successful season. But uh, Wake Forest and Boston College are the only two teams in the ACC that are still undefeated. Uh, and that is just a strange sentence, even though it is <laughs> only week four. Um, you know, I just put this on the schedule because, you know, it's it's the SEC going out to Boston for a game. Yeah. That's that's kind of cool. Um, a little clash of cultures and schemes and stuff. Uh, I kind of like Missouri in this game. Really? I, I think I'm going to pick Missouri here to go okay. on the road and, and get the win against a, a BC team that we're kind of trying to figure out right now. Yeah. Um, I just like the way that BC's defense plays. Uh, they have a lot of talented pieces and I think they're going to impose a lot on that Missouri offense that isn't so great. So um, moving forward, uh, the last game that we have on here for the noon slate is SMU at TCU and SMU won on that Hail Mary last week. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is also pretty interesting to me. I, I, I think this is cool because it's like the, it's like, it's like both these teams are like fighting for fans in Texas right now. And it's yeah. like, it's like SMU is like, Oh, we're Dallas and TCU is like, Oh, we're still in the big 12, even though it's dying and we're going to play each other and see if G five is better than a better than a power five team. So I think this is kind of a weird game. I think this is like a lose, lose game for TCU because, uh, even if they win, it's like, oh, you just beat a G5 team. But if they lose, it's like, oh, well, SMU is probably better than TCU. Yeah, I mean, it took a Hail Mary, but I think we're really going to start to see that. Uh, obviously, UCF lost to, to Louisville, we'll mention that again. And they did lose Dylan Gabriel for an unspecified amount of time. So uh, I think I think it could do a lot for SMU to win this game, and it would kind of establish themselves as a – competitor in the AAC with Cincinnati. Obviously, SMU has traditionally been a good team in the AAC, but I think it would do a lot for their momentum, and people are going to start talking about them And if they win this game. I think TCU wins this game because TCU just kind of seems like the more complete program here, but uh, it would do a lot for SMU to win this game, but I'm going to take TCU. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the branding behind SMU being like Dallas's team. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool. I, yeah. I really like it. I think they hit it spot on with that. The, their Dallas jerseys are also one of the coolest jerseys in college football. Yes, we're on board with that. Um, Three thirty, Texas A and M versus Arkansas. Is this a neutral site game? Yeah, they always so uh, they always play this game in uh, AT and T Stadium in Dallas. Okay, yeah, because Jerry because the the reasoning Jerry Jones uh, went to Arkansas. Ah, that makes sense. Um, this is kind of another one of those games to, to kind of determine the pecking order in the SEC. 
Um, but it's also to see if Arkansas is kind of for real and also to see where Texas A&M is at because Texas A&M hasn't really looked too great recently. And obviously Arkansas had the big win over Texas. So um, I don't really think anybody knows what to expect from this game. Yeah, in this kind of game, you kind of expect the unexpected. This has always been kind of a wacky game every year where uh, a good Texas A&M team lets a confusing Arkansas team into the game and it's close, and then Texas A&M finds, finds a way to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this is the year for Arkansas, and I think they're going to start making their way out of the top 25 after this. Um, Just a quick quick be, entry, it, quick entry, yeah. and then a leave. Yeah. But it would, be, it would be hilarious if Arkansas was the only team this year to go undefeated against Texas and Texas A&M. <laughs> the Texas killer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's very it's a very real possibility. Uh, next game on the slate, we got Clemson at NC State. Um, this is going to have to be Clemson's bounce back game after their performance last week. They're going to probably be looking to take out their anger against NC State. Um, what are what are your thoughts on this game? Which this is the NC State Clemson yeah, game. Clemson NC State. Yep. Yeah, this is. Uh... This is where we're going to see if if Clemson is going to rebound or keep nosediving. Yeah, because um, Clemson's never had like two back to back shaky games, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, that, and we we think we think NC State is a competent program. NC State has kind of long been for me just one of the strangest programs to figure out in all of college football. Um, they're always just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Very hard, very hard team to figure out for me. Uh, but I will, I will take Clemson in this game. I think, I think, Clemson yeah. wins I think usually when Clemson has a bad showing like that, they come out and have a great game following it up. Um, so I'm not ready to write off Clemson. I think this is an easy Clemson win. Um, Rutgers at Michigan. Michigan has historically dominated Rutgers in like every fashion. Uh, this is 3:30 at Michigan at the Big House. Do you think Rutgers is ready now to challenge Michigan? Well, you talk you talk about obviously the historic dominance, but uh, we kind of saw with Clemson and Georgia Tech that really doesn't mean anything. Yep. Um, I think uh, Rutgers and Michigan was multiple overtimes last year. Um, I don't think, I don't think Rutgers is going to put up much of a fight in this game. However, this is undoubtedly the best, the best competition Michigan's faced all year in this early season. So, um, this is not this is not going to be a score touchdown on your first nine possessions game. This is this is going to be a tough ask. And um, if Michigan can keep pounding it out on the ground, that's awesome. If the defense keeps holding up, great. Um, but I, I don't think Rutgers has much of a shot. Yeah. Um, moving towards the next game, we got Oklahoma at West Virginia. And we talked about West Virginia earlier with their big win. I don't know how much of a big win it was against Virginia Tech, but still a rivalry. Uh, when and I think this is like kind of the real test to see where exactly they are as a program. Uh, Oklahoma coming to town. This is a 7:30 game, primetime ABC. Um, do you think we're going to see West Virginia make the strides that we think they might be making, or do you think this is where Oklahoma kind of takes their step and 
kind of starts playing for real, like they care about football. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting spot for this game with what both it is. teams are coming off of. Like we could this could really tee up West Virginia nicely to just totally leap into the top fifteen next week if yeah, they won this game. I completely um, agree. It it's I I Going any Big Twelve team going to West Virginia at any time of day is a weird spot. Um, I this game is kind of this game is kind of sending me mixed signals. But as we as we saw last week, Oklahoma is not going to blow out those teams until we see it a couple times, and we haven't. Yeah, but it's like, um, when are you gonna see? Like, I feel like it's. I feel like every week, um, I tell myself this is the week that Oklahoma is gonna blow somebody out of the water and put up sixty and hold them to like ten points. Like, I feel like I keep thinking that's gonna happen every week. Is it gonna happen? Like, it, I feel like that could easily happen this game. But then at the same time, I'm talking myself into thinking that West that West Virginia actually has a chance and that they're gonna that they're gonna beat Oklahoma. This is just an odd game to me. Like, I don't I don't know how to look at it. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't help that this is kind of that prime time slot. So um the national audience is gonna be kind of watching this game. Uh yeah. I th- I, I, I say okay, so Oklahoma scored twenty three last week. Um I'm saying they score thirty one in this game. Oklahoma I don't know if they win. I don't know if they win, I don't know if they lose. I'm thinking Oklahoma is gonna score 30, 31 points which is still by their standards, pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's gonna, I, I, I will, I will tune into this game because it'll, it'll, it's, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, okay. I, we got, we got to move on. Cause I, it, it's now it's bothering me. <laughs> we'll watch it together on Saturday about that. Um, moving forward, we got UCLA at Stanford. I think this is going to have to be the bounce back game for UCLA. If they want to remain relevant this season. Um, it, it has to be. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Uh, that's going to be at 6 p.m. on Pac-12. So uh, that's really all I have to say. I mean, I, I I think that there really is no other choice for UCLA other than to win here. And if they don't, their season is pretty much not that it's over, but what we thought they could do is over. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, and, moving if, and and if oh. they and if they if if UCLA loses, then maybe this is a Stanford year for the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think this next game is very interesting. Nebraska at Michigan State at 7 p.m. And I, the reason for this is I think, like, like, like we've been saying, Michigan State is kind of on this upward trajectory. and We like Michigan State, but at the same time, we don't really know what to make of Nebraska. Uh, but they did just play Oklahoma close, and we're not sure if that's because Oklahoma just doesn't care about football or maybe Nebraska was playing well. Um, I think this is kind of the game where we're going to figure out both, pro- both programs and where they stand. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, obviously this is a, it's a night game in in Nebraska. Um, I think I, that's that's going to be so much bigger of a road test than going down to Miami because Miami plays in the well. NFL this is stadium. this is at Michigan State. Oh, oh, it is. Oh, why did I think this was at Nebraska? Sorry. Yeah, think, I'm thinking too much about Nebraska with that Oklahoma game we just talked about. Um, yeah, this totally changes things. So now you're going to have an East Lansing crowd that's into the game mm-hmm. knowing that they, they have a good team. Uh, yeah. Ranked, which, ranked which, Sparty. Which, 
Yep, which we haven't seen. Uh, I I'm more so I I'm more going talk going back to Michigan Michigan State. I think we've seen more of what Michigan State is than what Michigan is. All we know about Michigan is that they can run the ball. We know mm-hmm. that Michigan State. We know that Michigan State can run the ball, but they can also pass the ball. They've they've got they have a downfield passing game. Um, we so we know more of what they are, and because of that, I'm going to take them in this game. Never uh, again. Nebraska is going to be that team. Oh, they're better than their record. There's, they don't. I don't think they win this game. I think okay. Michigan Mich- Michigan State is going to win this game, and it's not going to be close. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm actually going to go Nebraska on this. I just I, I feel an upset coming. I feel like there's a little bit too much good juju for Michigan State going right now. Um, I, I just got a gut feeling that Nebraska is going to just play their best game of the season, and it might be some hiccups for Michigan State handling their ranked uh, prowess. So that that's just kind of my uh, my intuition telling me that maybe 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 Nebraska's got this one in the bag. But uh, moving to the other seven o'clock game, Tennessee at Florida. Um, I think Florida gets this win. I think we're going to see Florida uh, keep the momentum that they had going from the second half of their game against Bama last week. Yeah, they can't get caught up with a non-win. Uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> can't can't have a hiccup if you want to be competitive in the SEC, especially after what we what we thought was going to happen potentially last week. And especially to a Tennessee get team that has zero identity at quarterback, they have been moving people around. People have been getting hurt. They don't have an identity on offense. It's like you can't lose to Tennessee here, especially at home. Yeah, and uh, Florida usually handles this rivalry, so I'm not I'm not worried about Florida in this game. Yep. Uh, last game on the slate is UAB at Tulane. You put this on here. Do you have any thoughts about this game? I think this is a very good matchup of two G five teams. And I want to add in this kind of, in this uh, discussion, uh, UTSA is going to Memphis at three 30. Uh, some really good G five matchups. Uh, UTSA is uh, generating a lot of hype right now. Uh, they beat Illinois a couple weeks ago. Uh, the road runners, I think are going to be a force in me, the, me. yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, ro- the road runners are going to be a force in the, uh, in the group of five uh, New Year's six discussion. And it could really UTSA, UTSA, especially with a tagline like meet meep could absolutely be the awesome, uh, be the darling of college football this year after coastal Carolina was last year. I, I completely agree. I want, I, I love these like great G five matchups. Um, yeah. I think we need, we need as many of them that we can get every year, because I feel like we only get like one of them every couple years, like the BYU coastal game last year. I thought that was great. And I wanted to see more of that. Like I want to see more of that every year. So um hoping that all these games, both, well, hoping that both of these G five games are, are great games and I'm sure they will be. Yeah. And then, uh, I think that's that's all I have. I did want to mention that Kansas is playing Duke this week, and that's not a basketball game. <laughs> At 4 p.m. on ACC Network. Oh man, <laughs> who score? Who's? Uh, do you think either of these teams score over 25 points this game? Oh man, yeah. This is going to be the most basketball school playing the least basketball score. Uh, <laughs> 
It's gonna however, be weird. However, Duke Duke did beat Northwestern last week. Yeah, that was that was odd as well. Um, speaking of Duke just being super weird, they released a uniform video last week before their game against Northwestern, and it featured their one of their players uh basically walking out of a river while still drenched in water, and that was like their uniform reveal. Uh, it was super weird <laughs> and uh, very, very Duke football-esque to, for, for that video. I thought that was funny. Uh, but Duke is just not a good program right now, and neither is Kansas. So um, that game is probably going to be the ones that I don't watch, and I look at it on the ticker. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Big, big, big ticker game. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, is that all you got, Sam? Yeah, that's all, that's all I have for this week. I think it, it's a – looks like a light week and it's the, the i think the sift i think the sifting is going to start this week yeah yeah this is when you're really going to start sniffing out who's uh who's for real and who's not so for real uh yeah. there's not a whole lot of splash games but i think there's a lot of like okay now we can actually understand a program type of game yeah and uh one team that i i did want to throw in here uh, that we uh, didn't fit into the recap uh byu beat uh, what we think is going to be a competitive Arizona state team. I'm not sure who BYU plays this week, but uh, again, that, yeah. that's shout, a, out, uh, shout out BYU. I've, I've, I've been very impressed with BYU this season. I said this last week, but to, to, uh, to come back after losing Zach, uh, Zach Wilson and remaining as competitive as they were, uh, I think is, is awesome. Yeah. And uh, if they stay undefeated, we kind of haven't gotten to a, point in college football where we're ready to debate two independent teams in the conversation for the playoff. We've been there with Notre Dame. Obviously Notre Dame is going to be in that playoff conversation until they lose, but we haven't really put much discussion into BYU being in this playoff sphere and they have, they have the resume to do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, They, they schedule well. uh, And if they, need to boost their resume maybe they will schedule a game a couple days in advance yeah no i I completely agree so shout out byu i uh i'm liking what i'm seeing from them um i I, is that all is that all we got for today nothing else all good uh thanks for tuning in to the untitled sports podcast as always the usp pick six in motion uh gonna keep going throughout the weeks uh thanks for listening sam you got any last words Nope, I got nothing. Nothing. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week.